looking up at the strong wooden walls of her ninety-year-old house. I don't know why, she said. I should feel lucky. Great guy, great friends, no scholastic hell, only sixteen fun-filled weeks until school ends. Winter in Ridgeline was about to give up its last gust and surrender to spring. There had been a big snowfall, and the runnels in the storm drains from a brief January thaw had not yet done much to make a dent in the drifts, still dusted with sugar. A month after Christmas, the town's lighted stars and spangled snowflakes were still shining on down from the lampposts onto unblemished snow. There hadn't been time to get them taken down during the two warm days, and townspeople rather liked the warm, non-denominational glow from the street corners. For Mallory and Drew, it was a beauty that they had to remind themselves to appreciate. But for other people, it was a novelty, a little place lifted out of time. Ridgeline was becoming more popular by the year. Until the past several years, no one had ever moved to a tiny place like Ridgeline, population 2,000. But as cities became increasingly expensive and difficult for families, towns like Ridgeline, only an hour or so from New York City, became big-time destinations. Each year, a dozen or so new families moved to Ridgeline, to the huge new housing developments of many mansions built on old farmland beyond Mountain Rest Cemetery, or into one of the old original Victorians or four squares arrayed along lanes that rose like streets and trees in a model train village. The houses sat along pavement that unfurled like a Mobius strip from the little town square, from the huge bronze statue of one of the pioneer wives from England or Wales, the first residents of the town. The twins, Mallory and Meredith, lived in one of the oldest houses on Pilgrim Street, where four generations of their family had grown up. The Bryn's great-great-grandfather had been one of the first settlers of Ridgeline and was among the men who built the first five houses, of which theirs was one. It had been a mining town then, home to rough-handed men and their patient wives. Now mining was a dreamy history, and newcomers cooed over Ridgeline as though it were a puppy. They loved the stationery shop and the mountain beanery coffee shop and the fact that the old flower shop, Bloomers, and the new funeral parlor sat amicably side by side. All those transplants were, as the twins' grandfather Arthur Bryn said, running away from the lives they wanted in the first place. Little towns such as Ridgeline were getting to be what Grandpa referred to as boutique communities for urban refugees. You can walk downtown and see a dozen people you've never even met these days, he complained. Better than anyone except the police, the twins knew that although Ridgeline might look like a storybook hometown, it wasn't. Not always. To them, Ridgeline had become an invisible veil through which they could see the secrets of people all around them. And they'd known most of those people all their lives. Drew brought up that very fact now. You'd think you'd be happy to have something normal to worry about, Drew pointed out, irritated that they were wasting the only time they could touch each other all day, the school's policy on PDA beyond hand-holding, made by people who had either never been in love or were too old to remember it. No insult intended. Life at your house fits into a pretty broad definition of what regular people would call normal. Mallory couldn't disagree. Although no one except Drew knew it, Mally and her sister Meredith weren't the typical girls next door, 
and the fact that they were identical mirror-image twins wasn't the half of it. While reading each other's thoughts and speaking in their own language were second nature for them, two years earlier when they turned thirteen, everything changed. After a fire that nearly killed both of them, their twin telepathy became total telepathy, dark, scary, and tuned in to whatever evil dwelt at the roots of Ridgeline. In daydreams and nightmares, they saw bits of things and had to fit them together to make any sense of them at all. What they found out turned their relatively happy lives inside out. Like the first time, when they learned that David Jellicoe, the older brother of Mary's best friend Kim, was actually a budding psychopath hunting for a girl to torture. As they soon realized, they had the same power in two different flavors— Meredith was born a minute before midnight on New Year's Eve, and Mallory born a minute after. Mary could only see the past from the recent...